Hi, I'm Lauren Hansen, multimedia editor at theweek.com. And today I'd like to share some fun and interesting facts that I learned while reading the internet this week. There's a drug you're probably familiar with, though it doesn't sound familiar. It's called acetaminophen, and it's one of the most widely used medicines in the U.S. It's most well-known by the brand name Tylenol, though there are many other brands. Acetaminophen does wonderful things in the treatment of minor aches and pains and reducing fevers and all that kind of stuff. But scientists aren't actually sure how acetaminophen affects the brain. So they've been conducting some studies to further that understanding. In one study, a group of people were hooked up to EEG machines while they played a game of go or no-go. When the letter F appeared on a screen, they were to hit the go button. But when the letter E appeared on screen, they were supposed to refrain from hitting that go button. Now, half of these participants took the maximum dose of acetaminophen, while the other group took nothing. Meanwhile, the EEG machines measured their brain activity. It focused on a particular brain wave known as the error-related positivity wave, which spikes when you recognize that you've made a mistake. So when these participants hit go at the wrong time, their error-related positivity waves spiked accordingly. But what's interesting is that the group that took the painkillers had far smaller spikes than the other group. What this study shows is that acetaminophen may block our ability to recognize mistakes. The study also found that those who took the drug made more mistakes all around, so not only are we not detecting errors while on the painkillers, we're also making more of them. Researchers suspect the drug causes the mind to wander so that we're more easily distracted, hence all the mistakes. Now, the study was super small and more research needs to be done, but the implication, at the very least, is that Tylenol and other brands are really messing with our cognitive wiring. Since World War II, tens of thousands of dogs have bravely served in the military. Their keen sense of smell, which is something like a thousand times more sensitive than a human's, has been particularly helpful in combat situations for detecting bombs and other things. But military research has found that there is another animal with an even more superior sense of smell than dogs. Elephants. An elephant has twice the number of olfactory genes than a dog, which is impressive, but the number of genes doesn't necessarily relate to ability. The Department of Defense first had the idea to test elephants for practical experience in 2002, at the tail end of the Angolan Civil War. After nearly 30 years of war, bombs still dotted the African landscape, and people started to notice that elephants were avoiding areas known to have landmines. There could have been a number of reasons why these elephants were acting this way, but the army was intrigued and decided to fund a study to get to the bottom of their sniffing skills. And the results were really promising. Elephants were consistently able to identify samples of TNT, even when given distracting odors. So elephants definitely have the superior ability, but the big problem is they're not exactly combat-ready. While elephants may be better at sniffing out bombs than their canine compatriots, getting them to a war zone would be highly impractical. The army is still sussing out ways to use them, though. One option is to bring the war zone to elephants. Drones would scoop up scent samples that elephants could test out remotely. 
The other option is to recreate the elephant's olfactory ability, and a team of volunteers is actually developing a sensor based on the elephant's trunk. So there may be elephants in some form on the battlefield yet. He was a famous trumpet man from all Chicago way. He had a pokey style that no one else could play. He was a top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, a blowing reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. Issues of morality appear in humans at a very young age. Research has shown that babies as young as three months can identify a do-gooder and a wrongdoer. And they show that they have a preference for those pro-social characteristics over the anti-social ones. But a recent study found that even babies will abandon those moral principles if the price is right. A recent study looked at how babies reacted to character and, essentially, bribes. First, they established a baseline. Babies desire more. When babies were introduced to two puppets that acted the same but offered different amounts of crackers, the babies reliably opted for more. Then, a small group of babies were given a puppet show. In the show, one puppet struggled to open a box, and the other puppet either helped the struggling puppet or made things more difficult by shutting the box. Then the researchers brought in the crackers. When babies were offered one cracker from the nice puppet and two crackers from the mean puppet, the babies would accept the fewer crackers from the nice puppet. So here, babies go against their baseline for wanting more, basically rejecting the better offer because they don't like the person. But when researchers increased the number of crackers offered, babies changed their minds. When it was one cracker from the nice puppet versus eight from the bad one, they tended to accept the bigger bounty from the mean guy. What this study shows is that when the stakes are modest, babies tend to avoid doing business with the wrongdoer. But when the stakes are high, kids show more willingness to deal with the devil. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. And finally, this week I learned that in Shanghai, it is actually against the law to be disrespectful to your aging parent. The government in Shanghai recently released a new set of regulations that says adult children living apart from their parents should visit or send greetings often. And if grown children don't comply, the parents are actually able to sue them for neglect. If the offspring still don't fulfill their obligations, the government will then dock their credit score. In a country with a rapidly aging population, the law is an effort by the government to promote a part of Confucian philosophy called filial piety, a virtue of respect for one's elders and ancestors. Beijing actually enacted a similar law a few years ago, allowing parents to sue children for neglect. But the problem was they didn't really have a punishment in place, so the courts really just acted as a facilitator of conversation. They couldn't force kids to visit their parents. The Shanghai regulation, on the other hand, gives the misbehaving children more of an incentive to care for their parents or risk losing their good credit rating. And that does it for this week's episode of This Week I Learned. If you'd like to read more about any of the facts I've mentioned, you can go to theweek.com slash audio. 
And if you'd like to listen to more from this series or any of the week's podcasts, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And if you like what you hear, we'd love to encourage you to rate our podcast on iTunes. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thank you so much for listening.